The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hollywood hoop dreams aren't only made from magic, they also come in the form of original podcasts from the Hoopball Network. So if you're the Lakers zooming out, are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs? And do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Join Ethan, JC, and the thriving Lakers community around the world to talk about all things Lakers. The Lakers this season has come to expect of his team is consistent winning. That is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform. The show is available every where pods are found and you can follow the show on twitter at hoopball lakers the following is a hoop bowl presentation good evening guys and welcome it is i love swithin bank Back with another instalment of the Pelican Scoop uh, at Hoop Ball Pels on Twitter at Lyle Swithenbank. For all of those playing along at home on Twitter, make sure you give us a follow, give us a like. I'm joined by a very, very special guest again today, and I've been very lucky to have a chat to a few guys throughout the last few weeks. Uh, and it is Schmidt Dua from the Bourbon Street Shots and the In the Know podcast. Schmidt, how are you going? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's the first um, Australian-based podcast I've done, so I'm very excited for this. Oh, it's great. And, and when you can get guys that are actually in, in New Orleans that can uh, shed an insight from, I suppose, uh, the actual ground zero in amongst the team, you know, we're always happy to try to get people on with, with that sort of uh, knowledge and uh, experience. And, and yeah, no, I really appreciate you coming on and spending your time to chat pals with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this year, it was a, I suppose, a bit of an up and down year, a pretty tumultuous off season to say the least. There was a fair bit going on. Um, we ended up, well, we got Zion, I suppose, was the big, um, the big acquisition and, and the one that uh, that everyone sort of remembers. But there was a few others, um, you know, we changed, uh, well, Dell Demps left and, and David Griffin came in. Um, AD was was shipped out and we, we brought all of the Lakers <laughs> well, a lot of them down uh, to New Orleans. Um, what are your thoughts on that uh, on that off season? 
Yeah, it was quite an eventful off season. Just the period of uh, events that happened after the end of January to where Anthony Davis requested his trade, um, working up to the trade deadline itself in February. And then after Demps was fired, um, going on to hiring David Griffin and, and so on and so forth to where the Anthony Davis trade was finally com- completed. It seemed like major event after major event was happening. And it was just kind of this moment where every Pelican fan was watching because very clearly the future of the franchise depended on the moves that they were going to be making. Um, if they, they had a, you know, it's not so often that you get a chance to trade a franchise level player. So nailing the return was quite important. Um, not only that, uh, it's quite important to nail the next hiring because they spent nine years with Dell Demps. Um, obviously, you don't want a repeat of a situation where you didn't see much success. So whoever you hire next is going to drive the culture and in fact, going to be in the driver's seat for this Anthony Davis trade, that's going to dictate your future. So they had to be very careful about the steps they were taking. And it seemed like for a period of like four months there or so, like they just nailed every single possible move that that came across their table. Um, from, from David Griffin's hiring to lucking into the number one pick to the Anthony Davis trade extracting uh, maximum value uh, out of it despite people saying that oh well you know the same offer is not going to be there come come the summer well I'd argue it's an even better offer uh, than what was offered in February and then um, just shoring up the staff with hiring Trajan Langdon and Swin Cash and bringing in um, all kinds of important people Aaron Nelson the trainer uh, the head trainer for the Pelicans. They have completely revamped their medical team uh, as well. So they there was just a series of four months there where they made a ton of huge moves. And I feel like they – I don't want to say like everyone was a home run or I guess um, in uh, cricket terms a sixer, but um, the, it was close. I think I think every move was just, just top tier pretty much. I like the cricket uh, yeah, analogy in there as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm Indian. I lived – actually, fun fact, I lived in Australia uh, for about four years when I was young. Um, I'm, I'm not bad at cricket myself. I'm, I fancy myself a pretty good bowler. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I can play. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, I uh, consider myself a bit of a no-rounder. I, I can't really bat bowl <laughs> or field. Uh, pretty terrible. I had all the gear, but uh, just none of the skill or talent. <laughs> my, my dad was pretty keen to, to get me into it, but uh, yeah, just wasn't very good. The hand-eye coordination was, was not there. I was more into the uh, into the Aussie rules and continue to, to play that a bit. Uh, just casually. There you go. But, uh, yeah, a bit of fun. Um yeah, so like you said, huge, huge um, off-season, I guess. And it almost was this like expediated rebuild without actually having any real issues, I suppose, off the court. We're sort of in the same spot that we were, I suppose, this time last year, even with Anthony Davis. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, a, it's good that you mentioned like all of this kind of happened without any real issues, so to speak, because they really didn't face any adversity. Um, the first bit of adversity they actually faced was in, in the, the end of like preseason and Zion gets hurt. 
that's that's the first hiccup throughout this yeah. entire course of events that that they experienced and and from then on it kind of did spiral downwards like that that event happened people were uncertain about his future turns out he needed surgery and he was out for an indefinite amount of time and you know it was unclear what that amount of time was and um everyone had their projections and the projections keep getting pushed back and back and back. And he didn't play his first game uh, until well after the new year. And um, obviously Zion has been amazing and they took all the right steps to get him not only back up to speed uh, to the shape that he was in prior to the surgery, but also to correct a lot of uh, biomechanical issues that he may have had. They really took their time to make sure his body's moving as efficiently as possible. So future injury is, um, minimized or the risk of the future injuries minimized so uh, they did it was the right move but at the same time you know you you're building um like he's the franchise piece right and you in preseason even though he wasn't directly the offense he was scoring like 26 points a game on like 80 percent shooting from the field he, he everything went through him even though like there weren't really set plays for him. He was just there. It was like all Zion. That's all everyone wanted to do. And it was clear that he was priming for a really big regular season. And when you take that big of a piece away from the team and, um, and like no disrespect to Kenrich Williams, I, he's one of my favorite players, um, especially as a person, but that's not Zion Williamson. And all of a sudden your offense looks a little bit different. Uh, the responsibility on on Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram increases. The re- responsibility on Lonzo Ball increases, and his game suffers because he doesn't have a guy like Zion to outlet to. And then, you know, that was the first uh, hiccup. And the next hiccup came with the intermittent injuries to to Derek Favors, uh, who's been out of the, the lineup for quite some time, and the Pelicans didn't really have any good options uh, at the center position. They They had young Jackson Hayes, who has made uh, electrifying dunks and, and amazing highlights, but he still has a long way to go in terms of learning how to play the game. And they had Jaleel Okafor, who, who had his nights as well. He had a, a couple great games. I think he was uh, one of the driving factors against the Pelicans' like first win, and I believe it was against Denver, uh, where he just absolutely toasted Nikola Jokic. And you're like, wow, I mean, this guy just went up against the first-team All-NBA center and completely owned him. Um, but you know, that's, that's not consistent to see that you're going to get out of either of those players. And especially on the defensive side where neither of them are, are at the level of Derek favors and the Pelicans suffered immensely. Um, and, and it just seemed like the players were struggling to find their role and their place in the absence of Zion. Yeah, for sure. And, um, I mean, I think that was one of the most underrated things as well is that when D fives went down, there sort of was this, um, I suppose, space left in the centre. And um, throughout the my previous podcast, we've done a... I went right back to game one, started watching them again. And those earlier games where Favours was holding down the middle, you see his importance on both the defence and the offensive side of things. He there was, there was plays where they just fed him the ball and just let him go to work. So when that guy is not there, all of a sudden you're scrambling. Same as Zion, you've got Kendrick Williams. These guys are still NBA quality talents um, for the backups, Chili Lokofer and Jackson Hayes. But like you said, there's, there's a sort of different tier between the um, the starters and those guys coming off the bench. But again, no disrespect to them, but Kendrick Williams, I 
Kenny Hustle's just awesome. Like he's he's a great <laughs> player, um, and he does all the sort of things that you want from someone that is coming in off the bench who can just play hard and 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 do those things that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. Um, so with these guys coming in, we had JJ Redick, Derek Favors. These guys are um, veterans, been around the league for a long time. Did they sort of uh, work their way into the locker room straight away? Do you know what I mean? Like, was there this assimilation uh, fairly quickly? Or, or do you think with all the new changes in the off-season, there was a bit of teething problems early on? So, uh, I do believe that there were, um, I don't want to call them issues or problems. Uh, maybe, like, they were working through things uh, initially. But I think it was mostly on the court rather than off the court. I think off the court from day one, these guys were pretty friendly uh, and getting to know each other. Although they're not like the most confrontational or vocal group, they're not the type to really challenge or push each other. At least they weren't in the, in the get go. Um, It took some time. I think it was in the middle of the 13 game losing streak where JJ Redick was the one that actually kind of called the team together and um, gave them a little spiel about, you know, accountability and all of that. And, that from then on, I think they felt more comfortable uh, voicing those kind of opinions. Cause you know, like sometimes in the, in the initial um, stage of uh, a relationship or a partnership or anything, you know, it's kind of like the honeymoon fees where you're, you're not, you're not afraid. you like, you don't really want to step on their toes, so to speak. Um, but things are going well. So you're not complaining. Uh, I think that's kind of what it was with the Pelicans. Like they all liked each other. It's all a good group of guys, but no one wanted to step on anyone's toes. Um, and I think, over time, they grew more comfortable with each other off the court, um, to be a little bit honest about those type of things. I think on the court, definitely, like, there was a question of, okay, well, I'm J.J. Redick. This is how I play. I like to be utilized in this way. And then, like, Brandon Ingram was in the midst of making a leap. So, okay, you have to accommodate for him. Lonzo Ball was struggling from the get-go. And so Drew and Brandon Ingram were taking on more of those, like, playmaking and driving uh, duties while you know he kind of was getting his stuff together so it was it was a weird balance where they were trying to constantly figure things out and as soon as they were established any kind of rhythm someone else would get hurt and someone else would would come in and they'd have to start all over again oh absolutely and um yeah you mentioned Brandon Ingram there that was actually who I was going to jump onto next um he took a, a big leap you know we saw him at LA and he looked a bit hesitant at times he didn't look very strong he's very very slim build um, this year he looked confident and perhaps that's a change of circumstances, you know, and, and another year in the league. He, he really exploded and took over that sort of lead scoring role um, for a lot of the season until probably Zion came back. He dropped off a little bit. But isn't that great to see that uh, if we've uncovered another uh, probably star in the well, hopefully star in the making, you know, he's an all-star. So um, what a great result getting him as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think the reviews on Brandon Ingram at the time of trade were mixed. Obviously, people from L.A. and Lakers fans uh, were considerably higher on him than I think most of the general NBA populace. Uh, He was the number two overall pick, and he had a a pretty, pretty, pretty good stretch to close the year uh, before he got hurt last year. There was a period of 10, 15 games or so where his averages uh, weren't too dissimilar to what he's putting up this year and 
so there there was he had flashes he had moments but it was this question of okay well this guy for his whole career even dating back to college has been a 68 percent free throw shooter um he's allergic to taking shots from three he's not very good at him when he takes them so yeah like you know maybe this guy uh is decent from the mid-range and you know has a these moves and kind of be like this isolation scorer. Do we want a DeMar DeRozan 2.2 type of player? Um, but, you know, Ingram came from an off season where he could barely even practice shooting the ball and made uh, a shooting jump that is completely unprecedented. I mean, going from 68% uh, or 67% as a career free throw shooter to shooting about 85, 86% this year, that kind of jump has only been made in like once in the last 25 years. I believe that was Chris Weber. Um, and the, that's that's how much of an outlier that improvement is. And, you know, credits Ingram, who, like, works his tail off every single practice. And even after practices, um, Griffith mentioned a couple times, uh, Ingram and Lonzo like to come in uh, after hours to get some shots up and work on their shooting. And so, you know, these guys have um, been working their tail off and the, the – they've been really receptive to the teaching the Pelicans coaching staff has given them. So it makes me question like what was going on with LA and, and their developmental staff. Like maybe they were just focusing on the wrong things because, you know, if it, if it just takes a few months to make these dramatic improvements to both um, Ingram and bald and you know, like what, what's going on in LA? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those questions have to be raised and all of a sudden we're, I think sitting pretty with these guys, you know, these are cornerstone players almost that they're they're showing flashes of it. Lonzo came into the season, I suppose he was a bit up and down and, you know, he rebuilt his jump shot from all reports in the off season. He started slow. It just didn't look like he had his legs under him a bit. That after, um, I suppose, December, I think it was, he just turned into an absolute stud. Even having a look pure at stats, it's just chalk and cheese. You look like an absolute um, gun and, and hopefully that development continues. They talked about the um, the link between Zion and Lonzo Ball, Ball throwing, throwing up anywhere near the ring and Zion's going to catch it. That's going to be exciting to watch going forward, surely. Yeah, I think that's got to be one of the most exciting partnerships in the league. And, you know, I think it has potential to be an all-time exciting partnership if if they stay together as a team and they have a lot of great success it's an attack in the open court that is really difficult to stop because you know Lonzo he's if he's one thing he's a brilliant passer and and we all know Zion is just a freak of nature when it comes to his athleticism it seems like it's a it's a match made in in heaven and I think what um, the initial concerns with Lonzo again like with Ingram it's like okay well Lonzo even worse than Ingram um, was ridiculed as as a shooter before uh, for his first two years in the league. I mean, he's he shoots he's been shooting around forty percent from the free throw line, and, and from as a guard, that is like historically terrible. Um, and you know, everyone knew that his shot shot was kind of funky. He shot it from he pulled it from his left side, brought it over to his right, and it was all kinds of a mess. And I don't think anyone would have anticipated. Alonzo uh, having the, not only the percentages that he has this year from from three, but on the amount of attempts that he's taken, it means he's put in a lot of work. And I think there's a base there that even if that's the baseline you get for the rest of Lonzo's career, 
that dramatically changes his ceiling and fit with with Zion. Whereas previously, you know, if you're like, okay, like if we can get him to 35% from three, then he's a workable player with Zion. Well, he's crushed that. He's he's way past 35. I think he's at 37, 38. And if you'd like take out like his, you know, first couple months or so, I think um, he's pushing 40%, which is exactly what you need with a player like Zion. Well, it opens it right up, doesn't it? I mean, the floor um, spreads it. It seems a whole heap bigger when you're playing against them if you've got a guy that can have that threat from outside. And, I mean, Zion's the sort of bloke that if you can give him a bit of space, he's going he's to torture. He, he absolutely, you give him the ball, he will go to work. And the strength from this guy that is 18 or 19 um, is unbelievable. I, I've never seen something like that where you can just rip the ball out of someone's hands and dunk it back in. He's an absolute freak of nature. And I hope that we can just capture that and have him for, for years to come. And he becomes this uh, face of the franchise and a bit of a destination club down in, in New Orleans. Um, another guy that helps stretch the floor this year was, uh, was Nicola Melli. So he came in um, from Italy, I think, and he... Um, yeah, look like he stepped straight into it. Can hit the three, or up. Yeah, Melly. Melly's been such a fun follow on Instagram uh, and or Twitter because he yeah. cross posts his his stuff. But what he what he's been doing is he's been documenting his time and his transition to the NBA uh, from Euro, Euroleague, and he's documenting what it's been like being a rookie, what it's like playing his first games. You know, like trash talk in the NBA, travel in the NBA, just snippets there. So it's really cool to get insight from um, uh, a player period but he's been really articulate with it and uh, it's fun to watch his journey in the process but yeah he was another one of those players who at the beginning didn't see much play time and I think that was a product of again Zion not being on the floor he's Melly's going to have his maximum amount of success when a guy like Zion's in the paint drawing the defenders drawing attention away so Melly's open for a three and it's no surprise that when with Zion coming back, Melly's really stepped up his game and uh, had an increased role with the Pelicans. And he's just a, he's just a very smart player. And that experience in Euroleague playing professionally, we, we've seen it time and time again with a lot of European players come across. They're very good at, uh, I suppose, shooting as well as being in the right spots. And I think it's because they start playing basketball and professional basketball from such an early age. And that is an interesting sort of uh, thing. I have to go back and have a look. I don't have him on uh, on Instagram, actually. So I have to go and have a look and, and watch that all back um, to see what it was like in the transition because it's an interesting sort of thing to see. Uh, what are your... Overall, what are your, your key takeaways from this season? I mean, and, and what can we look forward to should either the season resume or we jump into next year? What are your, I suppose, takeaways and expectations? So my key takeaways from this season are you have not one but two bona fide stars. And that is more than a lot of teams can say. And the fact that they're both under 22 or 22 and under is – bodes really well for the next five, seven, eight years if you do things right. So I think, you know, regardless of what happens this season, that discovery in and of itself is extremely valuable and it's what's going to help shape the moves that you're going to make in the future. In addition to that, you know, you have other young guys like Lonzo 
who are pushing star potential, right? They, if he continues to improve at the rate he's been improving, then there's no reason he shouldn't be in that conversation as well. Um, and, and then if you have, you know, a home, I don't want to call it a homegrown big three, but it's about as homegrown as you can get as you've had all these young players at such a young age, um, you can perhaps build something that's lasting. And to me, those are the most important things uh, at the moment. And obviously there's a, a lot of other players on the team at the moment who are going to contribute now. And, you know, some might still be there in the future. The Pelicans also have a ton of assets, uh, especially that they netted from the Lakers trade. They still have a lot of draft picks that they can utilize to improve over the years. But, you know, right now discovering that Brandon Ingram is an all-star, which I'm not sure would have happened in this fashion if Zion was healthy the whole year. I think that was really important. Discovering that Zion like translates to the NBA day one and he's dominating day one, and, but only scratching the surface of his ceiling, you know, like that, that's an important discovery. And then discovering that, you know, Lonzo's baseline as a shooter is just so much higher than anyone anticipated. Um, those three things, if you take that away from the season, I, I call this a, a roaring success. You and me both, I was watching these guys and, you know, you're coming into the season, you sort of, you've got, uh, I suppose, the a little bit of animosity. You're sitting there going, oh, oh well, um, you know, fear that this team might just go straight back down to the bottom. There wasn't really that much to go on, um, especially in, in Australia. You're watching it, I suppose, from, from a while away. We see what ESPN shows us and, and that's about it. Um, and then, I suppose, Twitter and, and, and um yeah, the internet and the like, we've got all that. But again, until you're actually in and amongst it all and can see it all happening, um, we don't really get those, that, uh, I suppose, expertise that you've provided us. Uh, before you, we let you go, I was just wondering if you had anything going on over at the Bourbon Street Shots, anything you'd like to, to shout out? Uh, how's it all going? Oh, no, we, it's going well. You know, we've been... Uh, a little slow with our posting just with all the the hiatus in all of sports. So, you know, we've been trying to post a podcast uh, every once in a while. I think we'll be posting a couple episodes this week. Um, you know, I know a lot of us are working on, um, we're, we're working on a couple drafts of different things. I'm personally working on a fairly large project that's, um, that's taken a couple weeks to compile the data on. So whenever that's ready, I'm sure it'll be up at some point. But, yeah, I mean, just I think the best point of contact is to check out our Twitters, uh, which, you know, mine is at Fear the Brown, and you can check out the Bourbon Street Shots Twitter at Bourbon Street Shots. And that's that's the place where most of the news will be updated, and it's the place to be. Yeah, and make sure you go and like all of those on Twitter and, and go and have a look at bourbonstreetshots.com. There's, there's plenty going on there. I've, I've been uh, reading it for a little while now, and, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of, of what you guys are doing over there. We're looking forward to those podcasts coming out as well. Uh, Schmidt Dewar, I would like to thank you for joining me on the Pelican Scoop. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, hopefully we can get you on here again sometime. Yeah, I just love talking about the Pelicans, especially now that there's nothing going on. This is... <laughs> A very welcome exercise, and I appreciate you guys having me. Awesome. Thanks very much. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. So, guys, how good was that? We had Schmidt Dua join us. Uh, absolute legend and great to talk to. So, thoroughly enjoyed getting his insights. Make sure you head over and, and support those guys over at the Bourbon Street Shots and In The Know podcast. It's always great fun. Guys, 
As always, make sure you give us a like, give us a subscribe, leave your feedback. We love hearing from you guys. And uh, I am Lyle Swithenbank. This has been the Pelican Scoop at Hoopball Pels, at Lyle Swithenbank on Twitter. Make sure you follow us and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye for now. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.